welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Welcome back to Cannon Fodder, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy LaCroix. <laughs> That's right. Today's Cannon Fodder is sponsored by LaCroix. If you like naturally essence sparkling water, try LaCroix. I am furious that you didn't discuss this sponsorship with me. I know nothing about this. Don't discuss it if I'm not sharing the profit. That's what I always say. That's the rule. <laughs> Work out the sponsorships yourself and just keep all the cash. Mmm, that looks tasty. Ah, looks so refreshing. A, uh, pineapple, strawberry, or a pina fraise. So since Troy moved into his brand new apartment, this palatial estate in which we are able to record, mm. he uh, he is no longer drinking alcohol. He just drinks LaCroix. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm about to finish the whole 30. <laughs> are you familiar with the whole 30, Joe? No. You go 30 days without dairy, grain, legumes. I know you're a big legume guy. Uh <laughs> Dairy, grain, legumes, nothing with added sugar. I couldn't have anything with added sugar in it. And, of course, no alcohol. So uh, I think I've dropped uh, 100 pounds. Uh, <laughs> you I look weighed, great. I'm not weighing myself till the end of it, but I've definitely dropped t- over 20 pounds, I think. And I feel like a million bucks. I'm very clear-headed, Joe. Well, let's see if you're clear-headed, good buddy. We are recapping episode 90. What was that about again? <laughs> <laughs> Not that clear-headed, clearly. Too much LaCroix. The uh, episode 90 of the Glass Cannon podcast is the, I mean, it is 90% of our first 100 episodes. We are getting there, buddy. We are really getting, oh, we're almost at 100, dude. I got to plan something big. Did you think, think when we started the podcast, and Uh obviously we'll talk about this more in 10 weeks, did you think that we would make it to 100 episodes? Uh, You've had podcast ventures in the past that did not make it to 100. Yeah, the good old beer pressure podcast made it to 12. Uh, and that was work. It was a sporting try. It was a sporting try. I had you on twice. I was so desperate. <laughs> 12 episodes. <laughs> well, you know what they say. It's like to really get momentum with a podcast, you need guests that are famous. So yeah. it was just like... Joe O'Brien twice. That's that's the key. That's that's how you do it. That's how that's how Mark Marin did it. <laughs> the Godfather of podcasts. Little little known fact. I was in two of the first twelve of Mark Marin's podcasts. <laughs> that's another thing we have in common, Mark Marin and I. Uh, we both have hit podcasts now. Um, but what was your question? Do I ever think we get to a hundred? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I knew once we started this that we were riding it out. Um, but I didn't think it would come this fast. I can't believe we're already at episode 100 and, you know, X amount of way through book three. We're almost halfway through this story. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, when I, I'm not telling you how far we're wow. into the book. Yes, you are. No, I think Troy just slipped. What I slipped in saying is that at the end of book three, you're halfway through the story. Oh, okay. Oh, That's gotcha, what I'm gotcha. trying to say. Okay, Jess, okay. you're always trying to catch me in something, Joe. <laughs> I, I am always trying to catch you, good buddy. Well, my energy is up. I am excited because, man, oh, man, did I love this episode. You really did. I'm, I'm saying this is, this is Pathfinder for me. This is what it is. It is a the ability to have good, fun, awesome debate between players mm-hmm. and between characters about what to do in a situation, an adventure situation where you don't know whether you go north or whether you go south. 
and just kind of debating it out. And last week, there was a certain level of debate that went into going past the Scarecrow or not. But this one, all in all, I found infinitely more interesting because we knew, I mean, we didn't know what exactly was ahead, but we knew better what we were getting into. We had our suspicions about what might be this way. And I just loved how the party was split. And there was this back and forth, back and forth. And then obviously we continue to head south and then find something we wholly unexpect. I mean, and we fast forward to... There's a dragon fight. I mean, this is Pathfinder. This yeah. is what uh, why I play. So anyway, didn't mean to get too excited, but I just I loved it so much. What did you think about the debate? Did you enjoy just kicking back? Were you pulling for one group versus another? What were you thinking? I wanted you guys to go ahead. Just because you had made the decision to go down this way, I thought it would be really lame if you walked away. Um, not very heroic. But also, it's just like, I knew it was coming up, and I, I wanted you I wanted you to continue down that line because I don't think you'd ever come back. No, you know certainly I mean? If you wouldn't. turned away, I think there was a 97% chance you would never, let's go venture down that way again. You mean, wouldn't come back alive? Yes, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you have to make sure that you're checking yourself there, though, because you always want us to be as realistically approaching the situation as possible. I think there's a really good set of reasons behind what, why Baron wanted to leave and why Della wanted to leave that weren't lame. You're that absolutely weren't, right. That yeah. weren't weak. It was good story reasons. And I understand, obviously, why you wanted us to go forward, but I don't think that any path you choose to go in a given dungeon that is a bunch of split different ways that you have to see everything to the end to be a hero. You're absolutely right. I mean, I obviously enjoy shitting on you guys and uh, questioning your uh, heroics, but (laughs) I think it's a testament to how... um, involved the characters are with the story that it was a real serious question what are we doing here why why what is down that way and just to hear you guys fight it out i mean like i said before i love just being able to ah, let me just lean back and let this happen and see where right. it leads but i was but i was glad that you did go the way you did yeah and obviously i was too in the end of all things the end of the episode i could not have been happier of the choices that we made now i think that there are some things that maybe there was some rule fudging there yeah and i that made the situation much more fun for me and for us yeah in a situation that i don't think would really be able to happen by the rules no. i don't want to i don't want to throw you under the bus but now look we we walk up we see this amazing situation a huge rock wall with an opening some 120 feet up in the air a cave I did not expect that. Skid had talked about maybe some sort of necromancer that was creating these undead giants. He thought we might fought some, fight some mini boss. I I hear that and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. You know, I just agree. <laughs> anything Skid says, I'm like, that sounds right. I mean, he has a good track record of being right. And so I I just sort of expected more of an uh, kind of an undead boss kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And once I saw that, I was like, I don't know what to expect. I guess we kind of thought that it would be some sort of a drake nest because of its location but and you saw two dead drakes at the bottom of the pit as well not pit but uh, like laying in the ground way below the mouth of the cave right but that could also easily be an argument for something else that killed the drakes sure sure so what what led you to the decisions that you made which i frankly disapproved of in the moment where you hand waved a lot of the climb checks because you <sighs> 
Because you don't like climb. No, I let's I, just I, let's just say it, Troy. I don't like climb. <laughs> I don't like the climb skill. I think it's. I just don't like the mechanics of the of the way the climb skill is made. You know, if you want to climb 120 feet, you know, I have the the DC for that climb. I think it was DC 15. Okay, I think only two of you could very confidently make a DC 15 climb check. But the way climb checks work is that you can, if you make it, you can roll. You can move at quarter speed. So let's say most of you guys can move uh, 30 feet. Okay. That means you'd be able to climb 11, 12 feet? Five feet. Oh, excuse me, a quarter speed. Yeah, five. Wait, no. Seven and a half. Seven and a half But feet, you yeah. round down for the purposes of Pathfinder rules. Oh, so, the pur- so you can move five feet. So that means you would have to make uh, 24 successful climb checks. <laughs> and anytime you fail by five or you fail by less than f- four or less, you don't make any progress. But every time you make five or more, you fall from wherever you went. That would take hours to do and i've got to do that for every single character it's a broken system now you're allowed to like make the dc a little bit more difficult to move double speed great so then it, it moves it down to 12 but then it's basically 12 impossible. checks instead of 10 and yeah it makes it harder there's gonna be a lot more falling so you know as we're having this debate real quick though before you get into your reasonings which i am happy to listen to i will say though that climbing up a sheer wall even with handholds 120 feet is really, really difficult. Yes, yes. And that's what that rule is meant to show you mechanically, mathematically, that it is, it is going to take a long period of intense concentration, and it can probably only be pulled off by a trained climber. Exactly. And the, and it even says it, it's not a difficult climb. There is a way up there. It's not sheer wall. Like there are right. handholds and stuff that make it a, a doable climb. But let me tell you what happened and what I think should have happened. Okay. What happened was I was, uh, for lack of a better word, bullied into allowing Baron to do something he should not be able to do. Now, that's fine. His bag of holding, he's got the mule back cords. He is allowed to technically carry that weight. But how is he climbing and holding a bag? Is he tying it to his weight? You know, it just, I'm not allowing that anymore. You know what I mean? I I let that one go because at a certain point, you guys just weren't going to do what I think you should have done. And this is, this happens in GM in uh, games all the time with a GM it's like I want you guys to do what I think is the right thing to do but I can, I'm, I, if, if it's going to really bum you out and ruin your time I'll let you just do what you want to do most of the time or some of the time in this case I decided to just let it happen what I think should have happened is the ones who can make that climb made the climb and the rest stay down at the bottom and then it changes that encounter then the encounter with the Spire Drake is against two or three people and the other two are like what can we do to aid in this situation since we are not up there in the fight? Then that's a much more interesting encounter to me. But, you know, I can't tell you guys that before you go. I could just be more forceful and be like, if you guys can't make the climb checks, then you're not going up. And yeah. let's just decide. Yeah, so, I, well, I think that there's there's a back and forth there because it is possible. We didn't go into it in great detail because I think we were trying to move things along, but it is possible for Baron to maybe tie that bag to himself it's possible it's possible but it's you know you could argue it and 
do you really want to get into it? That's the question. Well, that's the thing I hate sometimes is is when something is possible but ridiculous. Possible (laughs) by the rules but ridiculous. I'd rather have the player, and I'm not blaming Grant on this or Skid or any of you guys for for this situation because it wasn't that bad and I allowed it. But like, I don't like when people do things that are completely impractical impractical and ridiculous just because they can find the, a way in the rules to make massage it a to loophole, work. Yeah. It, it, but I will say that it based on the way based on what you don't like about the climb skill which I respect and the, the how long it takes you just want to kind of get people that can climb up there and just say like you know what just kind of hand wave it which I think for the most part is fine. Yeah. So maybe you have Nestor and Della, possibly. You know, I don't even know. Baron might be good at climbing. I can't remember. Go up, and while Baron and Will and Umlo stay down. Yes, that drastically changes the combat. It it, it changes everything. Right. You know, in the end, I think that we probably still end up victorious because there was only one of them. But this way, I will say, was way more epic. Sure. In, in a in not in a dangerous sense, but in a fairy tale sort of sense. Right. It was fun. And you know what you always say. It's at the end of the day, you want to have fun. If your players are having a lot of fun, you're doing something right. And you have to pick your moments. Sure. And you have said before, we've had combats where you've been like, you guys really needed a win here. Yeah. And so I eased off a little, not eased off a little bit, but like there were combats that just were going to be a little bit easier and you were okay with that. Or you had let us get away with something like, the climb checks are putting Will in the bag of holding that <laughs> that allowed for everybody to have a good time. And I don't think there's no shortage of GMs out there in their RPGs that are letting people do ridiculous things that they come up with because it makes everybody smile and laugh. Right, right, right. At, at the end of the day, we are playing a game. And I do agree that putting those challenges in of being held in to the rule system is going to create fun by the challenge, but there are some times where it's nice to ease off. And I think it could have been fun both ways, to be honest. I think if we were separated, sure. it could have been dramatic and fun. Yeah. But I I loved this one. I loved the turnout. I certainly was not disappointed by your decision. Right. <laughs> so I'm not calling you out on it to say that I didn't like it. I mean, I, I did say that literally, but what I meant was like, I don't like it when you hand wave climb checks, but in this case, for a recorded show, you just can't. You can't do it. Right, right. Yeah, that would be a thir- 30 minutes of everybody trying to make those climb checks. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, the first one up can let down a rope and make it a lot easier, and I guess what I could have done is had the attack happen while someone was mid-climb and just roll randomly to see which one it attacked. But, you know, you guys had fun. Let me ask you this. What made you decide to e ne I literally was looking at my notes and I was like, the next thing I'm going to talk about is Sir Will and Oscross Armor. Now, that was so awesome. I, I just, I thought about, I had said before that I wanted it to be the right moment. Yeah. And I'd never imagined a moment like this. I honestly imagined a moment where I was going to be large to strike something, to really fight something. This was a case where I, and I thought it was even more perfect than I could have imagined, which is going large to go tank. And that's what I wanted to do is I specifically got rid of Lexington because in that mouth of a cave overlooking a 120-foot drop situation, he is no longer a viable option and I cannot charge. So there's no point in trying to get involved with that. And so now with him out of the way, the best way in my 
best estimation to get the Drake's attention and to try to draw him to me to attack was to become larger yeah. and not in a an intimidating way because I would still just be human sized right. but at least medium. to be seen <laughs> at least to be seen yeah. and then also to get the buff to armor and go total defense and I and Grant said I think during the episode that I he was like well don't you lose a point of AC from going large and the fact is that I don't because this is a creature that's still larger than me and my halfling bonus if you look at the wording it's like it's just you get a plus one to AC for a creature that is larger than you period period yeah so I mean I'll have to relook at it sure. I've said things very confidently on Catafighter before that were you're completely gonna, wrong you're gonna get it Joe oh, uh, but, my phone's already pinging and this is live <laughs> But it is, it's true, and you have to, but I did, that is because I believe it is the underfoot racial trait. It's a racial, it's a um, an alternate racial trait. So be aware, guys. I know that that is not a standard halfling trait that you always get a plus one to anything larger than you. I took a, an alternate racial trait for him. But either way, my AC was intact, and it was just really, it was really fun. And I got that bottle cap from the role play in the previous week, and I was able to use that for the will save, because I didn't want I didn't want to be taking any damage in that situation because I didn't know what that thing did if it was going to make me you know crazy or something or not right. out of my own mind and so I was just I needed needed to stay focused and not to mention that I was also playing Umlo that episode and that was so fun to be able to play Umlo to just gather the the loot I mean <laughs> not even knowing what it is just throw it we talked it. about it we said the image like you could just see it you could see how all of that was unfolding. And this is what I imagine the party to be. Of course, not, you know, Umlo filling his bags with gold and, and loots, but with Will trying to take the attention and be a true tank. That is what I wanted to build, who can occasionally do respectable damage when he has the freedom to charge. But when he doesn't, he can buff his allies, he can heal his allies, and he can take a little bit of damage, and he can take... he can. People can miss some hits on him. And so he's just standing there doing mostly nothing with his hits while Nestor and Baron are able to like ping, 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 ping the the, the dragon. That was yeah. just awesome. It you know, reminded Drake, me of Drake, uh, Jack say. Nicholson in uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, uh, how he's standing there as the Batwing is coming down. Yes. Like, come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and he pulls out the giant gun. Like that reminded me of uh, medium will. Uh, and you were right. Underfoot, it's a uh, alternate racial trait that replaces halfling luck. Plus one dodge bonus to AC against foes larger than themselves and a plus one bonus on reflex saving throws to avoid trample attacks. Yeah, so that's never come up. We've never had a trample attack before, and I'll probably forget that. What is halfling luck? Yeah, that's is that a, that's a to bonus next. to... Um, uh, it's a good one. Halfling luck is good. It's a plus one racial bonus on all saving throws. Yeah, okay. Well, so. the reason I took... The underfoot is because I don't necessarily need the plus one luck bonus on all saving throws because as a paladin, yeah. I get my charisma modifier bonus to all saving throws. That's what I was going to say. That's why it's a good mix. It's a good mix. Yeah. When you're making a tanky character. Yeah, Dude, anytime helps. there's an alternate racial trait or anything that's going to give you a free bonus to your AC, you're going to switch out for that. <laughs> yes. So anyway, I, I thoroughly enjoyed episode 90 and I'm excited for... What is coming forward now? I think in these last two episodes, would you say? Maybe three? I feel like this is... I feel like the new party is... 
now coming together yeah. from, in a role-playing sense as well. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that there was that time when we said, man, the new party's really clicking, and that was for combat because we really started to learn how to fight together. Back in episode 82, I think it was, we had the Cyclops fight when we were really like, okay, now you guys are learning how to play this and how to play it together. But now we're starting to connect. We've already yeah. had, our, we've had our first fight. <laughs> and we're and we're and we're getting it's like over any it. relationship. And we've had debates about which way do we go and you know, we have our voting system now and everything and there's five of us, so there's always going to be a, a majority. So, yeah, I think right. it's been it's been really fun these last few sessions that we've had and I really look forward to the, to the next 10 on to 100, buddy. Oh man, we are the the countdown is on. We're 10 weeks away from episode 100. We should do an extra long app or something. I don't know. Oh, I'm going to do something wild. Don't you wild. promise anything. I'm doing something wild. <laughs> Clear calendars, O'Brien. <laughs> well, let me just ask you before we get to the listener mail. Sure. Did you did you want us to find that hall and get that hall? We have no idea what's in there yet. I so know. I guess, so I guess maybe afterward we could talk a little bit more about your feelings on the hall. But yeah, maybe this is too too far in an in, in advance question because if, I just wonder if it's like super powerful. I don't know. Well, we got to start. The next, sky's the limit in my imagination. I'll we got to start next up for sure. Checking out this hall. Checking out this hall. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember Troy, but this is week two of the drama edition <clears throat> of Listener Man. <clears throat> drama. <clears throat> Hurt feelings. Fist fights. <laughs> Fist fights. Well, buddy, we have a question who, uh, and to be honest, this one, uh, it's bordering on a little intense, so I went ahead and uh, changed the names. I was just going to say, did you change the names to protect the subjects? I, I changed the names to protect the subjects. Week two of drama listener mail in Pathfinder comes from Eric in San Antonio who asks he's running an online game and he expects Steve from Kalamazoo right exactly (laughs) he's running an online game and he suspects another player of cheating oh come on god First of all, the player uses third-party material, which Gross. the GM negated up front, and you hate third-party oh, material. Get out of here. Listen, this, that's nothing wrong with third-party material. Those guys need work, too, but I just don't want them in my games. I'm a purist. And if you say you don't want them in your games, don't try to slide it in as the player. Don't try to sneak it in. He didn't know. He didn't realize the class the guy was playing was a third-party class until it was too late, and then he didn't want to strip the guy's character out from under him. So after scouring his character sheet... Everything seems legit. So he's like, the only solution is he's fudging his roles, which is like, ah, that's another one that's brutal and obviously much easier to do in an online game. He, this guy just happens, happens to pass every single attack of opportunity tumble check. Ugh. Every role to avoid an attack of opportunity to get into flanking position, he never gets hit. And then he ends up debating the GM constantly on every like ambiguous skill check, like we've talked about before, perception checks, sense motive checks, whatever, just constantly debating, uh, pushing for healing constantly before his teammates, even when an ally, and this is from the email, is literally bleeding out on the battlefield. He's like... You got to get me a heal. <laughs> and and then the worst, in my opinion, complaining about being attacked by enemies. Ugh. So, wow. Just, just where do we begin with this one? Because the yeah. question from Eric is just flat out, how do I deal with this? How do I deal 
with a player like this in such a way that is, especially let's focus, we don't have to focus the whole discussion on this, but real quick, let's focus on the cheating aspect. Because Eric's question is, how do I address the cheating issue in a way that is not going to make the other players uncomfortable? Without also, I don't get the sense that he is close to this guy enough that he can like like talk to him alone online or something like that. You know, I think that they're like they only play or talk to each other when they're in this online group. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to address it somehow without making the other players feel uncomfortable. What would you suggest? Yeah, let's start right there because I mean the obvious solution is just kick the guy out of the group. But let, let's say. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. That's the obvious solution. It is, this it is guy's the obvious. Gotta go. But right. let's say, all right. Well, let's move that aside. Let's try and f- come to an amicable solution with this. First thing you got to do is no more rolling and telling me what your number is. You do like they have on roll twenty, or find a way that you can do this where you're rolling something. You know, on roll twenty, a die comes up and you press it, and it rolls on the screen, and you see right then and there what the numbers are. So you got to use electronic rollers that the whole party can see, and, and you that use that you, for all players. You use yeah. it for all players, so that way you don't have to, you know, uh, single this guy out. And and to balance it out, you can up the amount that you do it as a GM. Right. You're like I'm, you know, some you roll behind the screen but some you roll in front of them. Right. And if they're like, oh, you got to roll all yours, you'd be like, no, it's my game. I'm not going to do that. It's called the GM screen. I'll roll some of them, but I'm not going to roll all of them. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to be in the game. Listen, you can make this guy maybe leave on his own if you want. That's another option. <laughs> yeah, that's your secret to breaking up with women. Right. <laughs> it's just be real, real <laughs> shitty until they, they break up with you. Oldest trick in the book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's... I mean, that's the one solution is just you have to use an electronic uh, roller that everyone can see the results to. And and you don't just say, I, I want to do this. I want everybody to see each other's roles. Yeah, that's a good start. And honestly, geez, I don't even know. I've been in similar situations as this with players in games that I have played in. And I don't really, to be honest, I've never come up with a perfect solution. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do is I avoid, and this is kind of pathetic. It's kind, of, it's kind of avoidance, uh, you know, not dealing with the problem. But I will just flat out, like, ignore their character in, in combat sometimes. Yeah. I just, if, they're comp- if they complain because they get attacked all the time, I just won't attack them. I won't punish them by attacking them. I'll punish them by not involving them in the narrative at all yeah. when it comes to the combat. So I'll just focus on the other people, make it dramatic for them, and then fudge some of those roles so that I'm not like overpow- over-damaging characters who are trying to play hard and trying to play well and sure. have fun and interesting stories. And if the death isn't epic enough, then no, I'm not going to kill him flat out over it. And then whatever damage he does, like bonus damage he does because he's flanking or bonus to hit he has because he's flanking or whatever, I just, I don't count it. I just don't count it to the creature's damage without telling him. Oh, I do that shit all the time when, when people are just like constantly... You do that shit all the time? All the time. Damn it. Not so much on the GCP, but I've done it in other games where it's like, the car- the player is doing something that I think is garbage. So it's like, oh, 51 points of damage? All right, got it. And I don't even count it. Maybe I'll count it as 10 points of damage. It's like, clean up your act, play right, and then I'll count the damage. <laughs> yeah, so that is an option, but that is a little bit of avoidance. You're not addressing the situation. Sure. You're not teaching a man to fish, Troy. Right. He's not going to ever be a, a better player. So-, so I wonder if maybe we could take a second I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. Okay. Why don't we take a second and try to list off some quick don'ts for oh. players? 
just some thing, little things that are like, try to avoid this. Let's go back and forth. Well, first well, thing that pops into your head. First thing that pops into your head. Don't be on your phone during a game session. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. You Don't know, be distracted when the jam is, is running the game. When you're That's playing rude. the game, just sit there and play the game. When it's over, you can do that. And like, if, if you know, we live in a society where everybody's on their phones, then if you're going to run a four, six hour session, take five minute breaks every once in every couple hours so that you can check your phone. Listen, I know you've got wives, you got kids, you got to do that. But like, if you're on your phone and you're doing other shit, I worked hard to prepare this. Just pay attention. Give me this attention and then I'll give you a break to check your phone. Uh, I like that one. Don't. Uh, now it's your don't. <laughs> don't tell other players how to play their characters. Funny you would say that of Ex- all people. <laughs> exactly. So look, this isn't about like what I'm what I don't do. You right. know what I mean? Like I I have this problem. I'm I admit it. It is hard. It's hard for me sometimes. And I believe that sometimes I'm within my rights because there is a thin line between telling someone how to play their character and making them as a player aware of the rules in some respect sure. to their character. But I, it, it is easier and safer to err on the side of keeping your mouth shut when it's not your turn. And I am very, very bad at that and it's something that I want to improve on. You've got some flack in the past for especially telling Matthew, like, don't do that. You don't want to do that. And people want to see Matthew do something that, in that case, was probably not the right idea to see the ramifications of it. And by you not letting him do it, it not only stifles his creativity, but it stifles, like, my ability to show the repercussion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, I understand that. I'll try to back off a little bit. A lot of the time, that is not, to though, to protect me or my character. It is to protect his character. Absolutely. uh, Because maybe he doesn't understand the repercussions but you want him to understand it by by it happening to him and and i get that so yeah don't do that you're up don't argue with the gm when it's clear the argument is over okay you know what i mean like i you know i foster uh you're fine with some debate i'm fine with some debate like i'm not i'm i'm right 50 percent of the time i think is a good average of when i'm right and when i'm wrong and i'm always be like how does this work okay that's how you think it works that's uh, no no i'm not gonna allow it that's the end of the discussion once i say no i'm not allowing it it's it's over have a good sense of when the debate is over and the decision has been made yeah focus on that you you want to say your piece you want to explain why you think this should be the situation and then the gm listens you get the sense that it was listened to and then denied Move on. And listen, oftentimes you may be totally in the right, but I know something you don't, and you just got to trust me. It's going to be far more interesting if you just let me do my thing. So sure, we've come back to this. Over. We've come back to this a lot in Cannon Fodder, which is that issue of trust, that GM player trust. Yeah, not everybody has it. It's hard to get, but as a player in general, do your best early on. Let the GM really make a lot of mistakes before you start to not trust them. Give them the benefit of the doubt for a while. Yeah. Joe, you're up. Don't don't have your character react to information you know they don't have. Ooh, give me an example. A character two rooms away makes a perception check oh. on a thing and finds out some information about something. And then the other character, who is specifically doing another task for another reason knows what that is because of their character or whatever and is either one of two things. One is, oh, well, I just da-da-da-da, like flat out as if they were in the room. And you're like, 
you're not even in the room as the GM, and then it's like you're being content- contentious. Right. And the like, GM oh, well, then is I go being into a the jerk. Room. <laughs> yeah, well, no. I, I Obviously, I go into the room. It's like, do you obviously go into the room? He, the, the, she just saw something. She oh. saw something, and 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 you. I was just explaining it to her, and you're not involved at all. Just stay doing your own thing and wait for the player to decide as a character to mention to you that this thing is relevant, that you know it might be relevant to you. And then the sub-tier of that, which is much more subtle, is saying to the player, like, do you come and tell me that? Do you come tell me that? You know, it's yeah. like that kind of stuff is... I understand why people do it. Sure. I, I've done it, please. We've all done it. But try to not do it. It makes it more real. Yeah. Play the reality of the scene. Don't come unprepared not knowing your character. <laughs> As the GM, I'm preparing 15 different characters and voices and storylines and this. All you literally have to do is know your fucking this, character. This is one of my funniest rants of yours. <laughs> you just, you have certain amount of powers. You know, you've been playing this character since first level, presumably, or maybe, the, you know, it's a, it's a newer character that's, that's a higher level. Know your character's powers. Know also, like, all right, you, if you do the same attacks over and over again, you should be able to add your damage dice up in seconds. It shouldn't be like, oh, hold on. Wait, now why can't I? Oh, is there seven plus the two. Oh my god, come on, just tell me what your attacks is. Like, just do it. That that drives me nuts. Like, know your character. It drives me nuts as a GM because I'm preparing 5,000 times as much as you and you literally have to know one character. Well, a lot of us players, we do have a tendency to not do any work and then just show up. Right. And then, and you know, and it's like the amount of work that the GM does in comparison to the PCs is just astounding. And so when they seem woefully unprepared for something, it's, it is it is very frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, and all you got to do in that instance is like just take some time before the session to look over your sheet. Look, look over your sheet. What did I just get for powers? Where am I at with hit point spells? Let me read about these spells that I prepared. Let me read about the, the, the. Let me roll some practice damage die just so I can quickly add and get used to adding that. You know, just take a little bit of time with your character. That's all you got to do on your way to the session if you're not driving. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one more, Joe. Don't. Oh, I, I've got more than oh, one. Oh, you got more. more than one. What do you got? Well, I mean, this is a simple one. Don't fudge your rolls. Come on, I don't it is allow so, that shit. This goes back so, to the problem. It, it is easy to sometimes, in a, in a big group, or if you're online especially, it is easy to be drawn in by the temptation to fudge your roles. And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't uh, fudge crits that aren't like, oh, natural 20, when they don't get a natural 20. Right. I'm not saying that's a rampant problem. But I know that when you know... You are about to be under a spell that is a will save that is going to control your character and destroy the rest of the party. And you roll that natural two on the save and you just lie and say you rolled a 22. Do people do that? I I am honestly, I mean, besides this I'm listener say, mail, do I'm, people actually do that? I'm saying don't ever, ever, ever do that. That's like stealing jokes. Oh, it is a crime. That is a bad, bad thing to if do. If I ever caught someone fudging numbers in my game, I would kick them right out, Joe. <laughs> I thought you were the way your voice was going. I thought you were going to literally murder them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Kick them out and then murder them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, uh. it's just. I know the temptation is there. Sometimes you're frustrated. You don't want to miss, or you don't want to fail that saving throw. 
just go with it. It's going to be tough. It, your character's struggles are what make them interesting. Your character's death is what makes it epic. And your new character is going to be so fun to make. Just go with the real roles. And you know what? Some of you might be thinking, I, I, I never fudge numbers. I don't have to do that. But you know what some people do? And I think we may even know some people that do this. And I think it is the white collar version of fudging numbers. <laughs> Let me get a die here. Hold on. <laughs> I got, all right, this is D20. Uh, so this is what people will do. Like, uh, you'll come into an encounter. I'm just making this off the top of my head. And I'll be like, all right. Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Everybody, uh, you, you know, you, there's a lot of talking going on. And the guy's like, I'll attack. And then I'm going I'm to attack. And then I'll be like talking to somebody else. And I'll hear the guy roll. And I'll, you know, I'll hear that roll happen. You know what I mean? And I'll be like, okay. So what are we doing? Did you so say you were going to attack? What are you doing? He's like, uh, yep, I'm going to attack. And you fucking roll again because you knew that first <laughs> roll that you made when I wasn't paying attention was a shitty roll and you wanted a second chance. Were you just giving yourself a bit of luck? <laughs> that, to me, is the white-collar version of fudging numbers. When you do that shit, and I'll be honest, Joe, I think I've done it before. I have definitely done it before. <laughs> <laughs> because because sometimes, And I'll, I'll rationalize it in my head. Well, the GM wasn't really ready. You know, I was just kind of... I was just getting it out there. Oh, I mean, and I've I done it. I've do done that. it as simple with as with perception checks, as being like, uh, yeah, I, I want to roll perception on the dresser, and it just like hits the table, right? And you're like, I'm gonna try to deal with the fireplace first. Hold on, and so you deal with the fireplace, and you come back, and now what did you want to check out, Joe? And I'm like. Uh, the dresser, roll the die, right. because I rolled a low, <laughs> shitty roll before. You're staring at the three, and you're, you're right. like, you know, I'll check out the dresser. <laughs> 18. <laughs> that is white-collar fudging. <laughs> if we named cannon fodder apps, this one would be white-collar fudging. <laughs> white-collar fudging. Um, <laughs> so well, it sounded like you were out. Well, you know what? Let's go back just quick to the email and, and throw off a couple that were mentioned in there just to really drive it home. Don't petition for healing. Beyond, no. beyond notif, just, just you know, you can notify. You can be like, I, I'm down pretty far. Yeah. But you know, just so you're aware, because that's something your the other player's character would see that the player can't see. So just letting them know you're down. But beyond that, saying like, well, why don't you just heal me this round, and then next round do it. You know what I mean? That uh, petitioning, literally, literally yeah. petitioning for healing is bad business. Don't do it. Yeah, and then Get getting angry game. when the character doesn't do that. You know, it's like the character is doing his character. You know what I mean? Let his or her character. Let them do their thing. They'll get you. They're not going to let you die. Or in this character's case, you probably should just let the guy die. <laughs> just let the guy die. <laughs> uh, this is a little bit more mm, ambiguous, I would say, but try to avoid always erring on the side of interpretations that benefit your character. Because there are a lot of rules as interpreted, right? There's a lot of areas where it could be one way or another, and you know that. As a player, you (laughs) know that it's not clear-cut this way. You know it's open to interpretation. Don't every single time just take the side that benefits your character. Recognize the interpretation that doesn't benefit your character. And then when the GM makes a decision, stand by it. And then that's going back to what you said before is once once the argument is done and made, move on. Right. Especially with rules as interpreted. Rules as interpreted means the GM interprets it and you got to go with it. And then the, uh, the last one that I have, and this is of a similar thing. It goes in with the healing. It goes in with the interpretations. But it, it, this can be in a more role-playing sense. Try to avoid, as a player, putting your con- your character's concerns ahead of all the other PC's concerns 
at all times. Yeah. So when there is debate, when there is question about what to do, if it's something that might not benefit your character to do, and most of the group is going that way, obviously say your piece, step in for a second. But then once things start going the way that you don't want them to go, just step out. And I mean, look at how great Skid is at at it as Nestor. Mm-hmm. Nestor has there's so many times when he he knows his character does not want to do this or does not want to do that, and he just says. But I'm outvoted. I will go with the group. I'm outvoted. And that's because he, as a player, is recognizing how to make the group of players enjoy the game more. Is not to feel guilty and just do what Skid wants to do because you feel guilty. You know, don't guilt players into making everything about your character. Try to try to realize the importance of other characters in the story. And sometimes in whole parts of the story, accept the role, because it's a great role, of a minor character. A really interesting minor character that is supporting a character who at this moment in the story is the most interesting party is an important role. I mean, think of the movies and the books that you love where the minor characters who just had had a small little part but were so three-dimensional and really supported the main character in the story in a way that made it feel more real and you might have been more attached to that character than you were the main character. Respect that difference sometimes and just let it happen. You don't always have to be the main protagonist of the story. Totally agree, Josie. All right, buddy, that was all I had. Do you have any more don'ts? No, I just, I don't know if we solved his problem, though. He's got this tough guy. I mean, I think the number one thing you got to do, you know, you you can obviously have the dice mechanic thing where everybody can see each other's stuff is... If you have a problem with your player, you've got to talk to him. And if you're not comfortable in doing that, then you've got a bigger problem than just having a, tr- a problem player. You know what I mean? You've got to just talk to him. And maybe you can't come to a reconciliation. But if it's ruining your fun and you're the GM who's like creating this fun for them, you know, you've got a decision you got to make. Either have the conversation or in lieu of that, he's got to go. It's yeah. not worth your time. Yeah, he's got to go. I think you got to send an email or something like that that, that just says... Hey, look, uh, I think that we need to part ways in the group and best of luck, whatever, you know, you don't have to explain yourself so thoroughly. You know, if you're not old, good old friends or something like that, it's just, you're right. It is so important as the GM, all the work you put in that you have a, that you have a good time. And especially if the other players you feel are uncomfortable too with it, then yeah, he's got to go. Yeah. He's just got to go because a lot of these times, these people are not going to learn, you know, they're going to. I am aware of this problem that I have, and I continue to have it. <laughs> you know, right, right. It's not like it just changes overnight. It's it's hard work. But if he says to you, like, I understand what you're saying. I, I want to change that. I want to change that. And then he does it a little bit. You know, and you're like, eh, you're doing that. And he's, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I want to change that. That's one thing. But if he's just unapologetically assholeish all the time, then yeah, there's no, there's no. He's gone. Not enough time in the day, and plenty of guys that want to take their seat. He's gone. Speaking of gone, Troy, I'm gone. I'm out, I'm out of this apartment. Out. I'm, I'm out, out of this gorgeous apartment. My beautiful new home. Uh, buddy, as always, it is good to see you. And thank you so much to Eric for writing in and to all of you that write it's these great questions. Uh, Podcast at gmail.com with your cannon fodder topics. We will be happy to cover them when we can. We appreciate you guys. We are in the last stretch the final 10 episodes to episode 100. The race what to is going to happen? We got to start coming up with some ideas, buddy. We got to start coming up with ideas. We? It's all <laughs> me, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> I got some things cooking. Oh, boy. <laughs>